Venomous Duck Media presents Gareth and the Lost Island Episode 2 The Merchant Strikes Back Disclaimer This audio drama should be considered rated PG-13 for discussions of sexual hijinks, drinking, consuming questionable potions, brief moments of violence, crude language, and even cruder humour. Please use caution when listening in public, as this story may cause audible laughter. Venomous Duck Media is not liable for any strained abdominal muscles you may receive while listening, or the strange looks you might get from other commuters. If laughter persists for more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention. Someone, please kill that bird. Or at least make it drink enough booze so it's as hungover as I am. Hmm. Nothing is getting me out of bed today. Except that. God, I threw up so much. I think my stomach made a portal to several other people. And I threw up what they ate. Okay, Gareth. Let's see if you can make it downstairs and into the kitchen without having your head fall off. Although, considering how I feel right now, that may not be such a bad thing. Good morning, Gareth. Just morning, not good morning, eh? Sit before the floor rises up to meet you. What did he say? Uh, He said I should sit down before I fall down. I think I'll take him up on his offer. I feel horrible. And everything has a weird yellow tint to it. Hmm. Must be the piss from everything you drank last night, backing up into your eyes. No, that's not why everything has a yellow tint to it. I took care of my morning absolutions before coming down for breakfast. I would also like to point out how truly unfair it is that you look so dapper in your vest and kilt. Well, I look like something the cat hacked up. My guess is that what you're experiencing is just one of the possible side effects of the sobriety elixir I gave you last night. Your vision will most likely be back to normal in an hour or so. You should feel lucky. One of the other possible side effects would have turned your skin green for a week. Oh, while I'm thinking about it, 
Thank you for being my test subject. Even though you showed it to me in the handbook? I still can't believe there's an exemption for family in the Physician's Ethics Guide when it comes to experimenting on unwitting test subjects. Like I told you before, my father did it to me just as his father did it to him, and so on and so forth for several generations of the Granite Staff family. Hopefully someday, you'll be able to trick your own children into drinking questionable potions and elixirs. Getting back to what I drank last night, that elixir sobered me up instantly. Shouldn't it have also kept me from getting a hangover? Oh. No. That would be a totally separate elixir that I'm in the very early stages of developing. The sobriety elixir only clears your head. It doesn't alter any other effect that such huge quantities of alcohol would have on a person. How many times have I told you not to try and match me drink for drink? None of the other 12 sentient species can match a dwarf's constitution. Let me make you some tummy taming tea, Gareth. Thank you, Henry. I would love to have a cup of stomach settling tea right now. Even after all these years, I'm still amazed at how you can use a foot to do all that while cooking breakfast with your hands, Henry. Thanks for the tea, Henry. But just so you know, oh, serving it with your foot flashed me your family jewels. Uh, I'm a primate in a kilt. Accidents are bound to happen. Yes. Yes, I know chimps wear kilts because trousers restrict your freedom of movement, but I really didn't need to see a pair of orange fur balls this morning. Oh. Are you suggesting I should shave my balls? <laughs> oh, great. Now I'm going to have that image stuck in my head all day. What did he ask you? He inquired if he should shave his balls so I wouldn't be so offended. <laughs> that reminds me of this one chim I met at the brothel back when I was a first-year med student. We were both piss-poor and decided to go in together on the price of one of the nicer-looking... Trollness, I'm trying to eat here. Sorry, Gareth, but I would like to say that at least I didn't get any hair on my tongue that night. At least I didn't drop my balls into your tea, Gareth. Do I even want to know what he said? He said at least he didn't dunk his balls in my tea, like someone else we know. I don't know how many times I have to explain that. I was drunk and wondered if they called it teabagging, because it felt similar to dunking the boys in a cup of tea. How was I to know Henry had just poured you a fresh cup and it was steaming hot? Luckily, I had some wonderful burn ointment on hand. Here, Gareth. At least try to eat some toast. Okay. I'll try and eat some of it. Just out of curiosity, why did Trowness smell like a horse's ass when you two got home? Did he try having sex with the centaur again? <coughs> Thanks, Henry. One of these days, I should really learn Chimish. When you are able to, Gareth, would you mind telling me what my butler said that was funny enough to get you to choke on your food? 
Why do you think he said something funny? He might have just been commenting on the weather. See? Henry's nodding. He's agreeing with me. Nice try, boys. But that trying-to-look-innocent face didn't work with me when you two were ten years old. And it definitely doesn't work now. Yeah, I didn't think it would work, but it was worth trying. What Henry asked was why you smelled like a horse's ass when we got home. He was worried that you had tried having sex with a centaur. Again. What is this? Remind a dwarf of his past humiliations day? You two are never going to let me forget that little misadventure, are you? Nope. Never. <laughs> Tromness, you fell off a stepladder while trying to bugger a centaur. That's a story that bears repeating. Well, if it's all the same to you two, I'm just going to go back to reading my paper and try not to remember those evenings. Henry, do you remember that Cronish amulet I dug up on our last expedition with Professor Rand? Yeah. Turns out, I was only partially correct in deciphering the runes on it. While the stone did provide a means for escape, the unholy winds it mentions came from a different source than what I was expecting. In retrospect, I'm pretty sure that talisman was originally sold in a Cronish joke shop. Huh? <gasps> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you wouldn't be laughing so hard if you were there. Imagine a dozen horses and at least half that many humans with uncontrollable and sustained flatulence for an extended period of time. <laughs> what are you pointing at, Henry? Do I have something stuck in my teeth? I think I know what he's pointing at. Look at the headline on the back page of the paper. Well, Gareth, it looks like we made the news. It seems that a mysterious and as of yet unlocated sewer gas leak has forced residents in a one-block circle around the spirit merchant to evacuate their homes and shops. Whoops. Enough about the great stink of 13,026 as the paper is calling it. I'm much more interested in what happened right before that. Did you finally divest yourself of that annoying condition called virginity? No. The curse is still going strong. Nonsense, lad. You're not cursed. You're a handsome young man who's just had a bit of bad luck now and then. A bit of bad luck? Your memory must be fading now that you're over a hundred. You've forgotten a few important details about my love life. Since I turned 16, there have been 18 separate times where I've almost lost my virginity. Each time, something happens that interferes with the horizontal paired mattress dancing. At my count, it's been three husbands, four fathers, six mothers, two sisters, a freak tidal wave, a rogue flock of green-bellied robins, and a meteor striking the house next to the one I was in that have kept me from having sex. You're right, you're cursed, but that's no reason to stop trying. The thought never crossed my mind. Just like you taught me, never give up. The next stone you uncover might be the gem you're looking for. 
Ha! That's the spirit. We chims have a similar saying. You have to groom several maids before you find the tastiest lice. What did he say this time? He said the chims have a similar saying, but theirs involves grooming a lot of other chims before finding the partner with the tastiest bugs. And that's why we never have raisins on our toast or in our porridge in this kitchen. It's a saying that came from before we started building permanent villages. Plus, every chim I know bathes regularly. In fact, how about you check how recently I bathed by kissing my hairy... He said that it's an old saying, and most of them bathe regularly now. Thank you very much. Henry has a point, you know. Chim social grooming isn't that much different from the, uh, more intimate, shall we say, customs practiced by the dwarves. <sighs> I'll never forget those fun times under the mountain. Finish up, lad. You only have a few hours to bathe and dress before you have to present yourself in front of the professor's conclave to become the youngest tenured professor in university history. I hope Henry and Trollens get here soon. Just waiting outside of the cathedral of knowledge is fraying my nerves. I hate that this building was designed to make everyone feel insignificant in comparison to the vast amounts of knowledge held within its walls. It's just one more expression of the pompousness displayed by most of the senior professors, aloof intellectual royalty, sneering down at their subjects from their high tower walls. If I really do become a tenured professor, I vow that I'll never be that way. Only by being approachable will my students learn to love languages like I do. Oh, thank the universe. There they are. I don't want to know what deals with the underworld he had to make, but Henry somehow managed to get that bit of horse shite out of your jacket. Henry, you're a lifesaver. I don't even want to think about how bad it would have looked if I'd shown up for my tenure argument without my teaching jacket. Here, let me help you put this on. Thanks, Henry. I could use some help. I'm such a bundle of nerves right now. I'd probably drop the jacket and ruin all of your hard work. There. Now I feel like a proper professor again. Huh. Well, that's weird. I've never seen any of your sewing come apart like that, Henry. It must have been defective thread. Mmm. Let me just fix that real quick. Of course I'll let you fix it. How many pockets does that vest have? Come on, lad. It's time you joined the ranks of the senior professors. I'm damned proud of you, son. Thanks, Dad. Let me get the doors for you. The only good thing about this cathedral is that as soon as you step inside, you're in the Hall of Greatness. It's nice to be reminded that everything we teach or research is built on the foundations these professors laid out. Although, it is kind of stupid how they made all the human statues two stories tall 
just they'd be the same size as the one Cyclops statue. Juth the Blind. You know, it's funny. In every depiction of Juth the Blind I've come across, I've never seen anything that indicated he couldn't see. Take this statue for instance. It looks like his one eye is tracking our progress down the Hall of Greatness. Oh, well, that's because Juth could see just fine. Then why in the name of Bearded Grandma was he called Juth the Blind? Trust me, you don't want to know. I'm almost eight times older than you. I think I can handle it. (sighs) Okay, you asked for it. Do you see how the statue's dressed? Luckily for us, they never painted these statues. Ju's favorite outfit was a chartreuse waistcoat with brown paces paired with a pink overcoat. Sorry, I just had a small bit of vomit make its way to my mouth. Gareth, forgive me for doubting your wisdom. Next time you tell me I don't want to know, I'll believe you. Seriously, how many pockets does that vest have? It has to be bigger on the inside. If you're offering, I would love a mint right now. It's almost hard to believe that after I step through those doors over there and face the conclave of professors, I'll have my tenureship. That you will, lad. Henry and I will go in and get our seats while you wait for your turn. Too bad the School of Languages always goes last during these conclaves. I shouldn't get too bored waiting. As Trons would say, By the gods of rock, ore, and ale, I am bored out of my mind. Finally, it's my turn. This chamber is huge, and the audience stands are packed with senior professors and staff. Well, except for that area reserved for the School of Political Philosophy. There's a huge gap around that one guy who keeps sniffing at his jacket. The guy who looks to be my size and has a very suspicious stain on his jacket. Normally, I would get after Henry for stealing from someone. But since the victim of this crime is a person who teaches politicians how to lie, cheat, and swindle the masses, I'll gladly give him a pass on this one. As dictated in the university's charter, no professor may be granted tenure without arguments for, and if necessary, against, being heard in front of the conclave of professors and dean of the university. Therefore, in this year 13,026, after the Second Great Apocalypse, Professor Gareth Mintel comes before the Dean of the University Arcanum and Conclave of Professors as a candidate for tenured professor. Who sponsors and speaks for this candidate? I, Dr. Trollness Granitstaff, do sponsor and speak for Professor Mintel. If it pleases the Chancellor, I would approach the conclave and deliver arguments on behalf of this most worthy candidate. The conclave recognizes Dr. Granitstaff, tenured professor of the School of Medicine, 
You may take the lectern on the right. Oh, and could somebody please get a step stool so that we may see Dr. Granite Staff while he's giving his arguments? Thank you, gentlemen. And thank you, Chancellor. Before we hear of Professor Mintel's qualifications, I ask if there are any among us who oppose this candidate being granted tenure. Esteemed Chancellor and fellow Conclave members, I, James Nootlis, the head of political philosophy, strongly oppose this professor's candidacy for tenureship. Never in my 60 years of being Chancellor for the University Arcanum has someone challenged a candidate. However, I still remember the protocol I was taught so long ago. The Conclave recognizes Professor Nutley's, head of the political philosophy department. You may take the lectern on the left. Thank you, Chancellor. What the hells? I know the two of us have had our differences with that arrogant, self-righteous twatwaffle. But I never thought it was bad enough for him to interfere with your tenureship. Oh no. Does the Dryad's husband from last night remind you of anyone? Yep. I see it now. Same pudgy face and rather large nose. I knew there was a reason I instantly disliked that bloke from the stables. I mean, other than that whole wanting to kill bit. As the ancient protocol dictates, Dr. Granite Staff, you have the right to speak first. Thank you, Chancellor. Now sit down before your knees give out. I know how your arthritis is bothering you. <laughs> Scamp. My fellow Conclave members, I stand before you to recommend that Professor Gareth Mintel be granted tenure with the University Arcanum. Once I list his accomplishments, I believe you and the Dean will agree with me. Professor Mintel has set many records since he arrived at the University Arcanum. He was the youngest student ever admitted at a tender 12 years of age. When he reached 16, he was given his first position as a junior professor, making him the youngest professor in university history. A year later, Professor Mintel was certified as a master in languages when he demonstrated his fluency in 10 separate languages. Since then, he has gone on to be fluent in eight more. I, Professor Marcus Duolingo, head of the School of Languages, strongly second his recommendation for tenure. Not only is Professor Mintel a valued member of the School of Languages, but he is a valued member of two other departments as well. Professor Mintel's skills in ancient languages has been invaluable to the archaeology department. I, Professor Dala Rand, head of the School of Archaeology, also second this recommendation for tenure. I also vow to keep fighting to get Professor Mintel to switch over full-time to the School of Archaeology. Now, those of you in the front rows might notice that Professor Mintel is wearing not one, but three colored bands denoting where he works. Along with the blue of languages, he wears the brown of the archaeology department and the green of applied magics. While Professor Mintel does not teach any classes with applied magics, mainly due to his complete and utter lack of any magical abilities, 
His uncanny grasp of runes has made him a very valuable researcher. This ability has led him and the rest of the Applied Magics team to come up with several innovative theories about how to expand the use of runes on mechanical devices. Professor Mental, as head of religious wizarding studies, need I remind you that it is the consensus of most of the religions of the 12 sentient species that it was the arrogance of the ancients and their melding of magic and science that led to the second great apocalypse. Sorry, Reverend, but the only higher power I believe in is the universe itself. I can see it and touch it. And finding out its rules is a truly noble pursuit. Any other deities will have to give me irrefutable proof of their existence. I'm sorry, Reverend Nearwell, but Professor Mintel's religious views are not what we are here to discuss. While professors wishing to second the recommendation for tenureship may speak up, others must remain quiet. If you had such reservations about Professor Mintel, you should have stepped forward when I asked for people to argue against him being granted tenure. Dr. Granite Staff, do you have anything else to add? No, Chancellor. Thank you for the opportunity to speak on behalf of my son. Professor Nutley, the floor is yours. Fellow senior professors and staff of our wonderful university, Dr. Granitstaff has painted a picture of a young man who has accomplished much in his short life. While I will not dispute matters that are public record, I will firmly dispute the significance of these so-called accomplishments. Yes, Professor Mintel is the youngest professor on record, but is that a good thing? A proper professor will be able to contribute to our beloved university with their wisdom based on years of life experience, something Mintel clearly lacks. As for the number of languages he speaks, that high number is irrelevant. There are only 12 sentient species on Hadronus, and all but a few speak our common language, trade. What good does it do for the university if Mintel can read languages that no one speaks anymore? Professor Nutlice, are you suggesting that an entire other school of our great university is of no worth at all? Uh, wh- what did you call me? Trollness, I don't think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm pretty sure his family name is Nutless. Well, then again, it might be like how the Chancellor pronounces it. Nutlease. Meaning he has to rent a pair to make up for his natural lack of a sack. You would think, with how much money his family has, he could afford to buy a set. It's pronounced Newt Lease, you cretins! As we all know, during a tenure argument, the candidate is to remain silent. Mintel is showing the disregard for rules that has plagued his time at our great institution. While he was merely a student, Mintel was responsible for at least three experiments in the Applied Magics lab that resulted in severe property damage. As he has demonstrated today, Mintel also refuses to show the proper respect due to a senior professor. And lastly, my dear fellows, Mintel and his minuscule mentor, Dr. Granitstaff, routinely engage in behaviors unbecoming of a professor, namely drinking and carousing. Ah yes, we get to the matter at hand. 
Professor Minto, would you care to explain why a rather influential merchant was in my office first thing this morning, irate and smelling strongly of horse flatulence? I'm not really sure what to say, sir, since a gentleman never kisses and tells. The only thing that I am willing to share is the fact that the merchant in question has demonstrated the proper pronunciation of his family name with his inability to keep his wife satisfied. A trait I'm sure he and his brother share. Why, you little... Peace, Professor Nootless. Professor Minto, were you aware that Dick Nootless has recently donated a great deal of money to the university? for the purpose of building a professor's only spa on the grounds. Quiet, please. I would hear Professor Mintel's response. No, Dean. I was unaware of such a gift. Wait a minute. Professor Nutless? Did your parents actually name your brother Dick Nutless? Listen here, you middle-class peasants. I'm going to... Dean, I think it goes without saying that my brother will withdraw his extremely generous offer if Mintel is granted tenure. Oh, and I forgot to mention, the staff my brother is planning to hire provide excellent manicures and happy endings for massages. Manicures, you say? Well, that does complicate matters, doesn't it? On one hand, no pun intended. We have a promising young professor that, despite what Professor Nutley says, will be a great asset to our beloved university. On the other hand, we get a professor's only spa. It would seem that the skills are well and truly balanced in this argument. I have it! We will let the precedence of past deans guide us. I believe we shall enact a trial by discovery for Professor Minto. Yes, that is what we shall do. Since the young man before us holds tremendous potential, I believe the trial should be a true measure of his skills. Professor Minto, I hereby place you on indefinite sabbatical and charge you with finding the lost island of Muscal. What? I have given Professor Minto a task. Do you doubt that he is capable enough to complete this quest, Dr. Granite Staff? Finding an island that most people believe is only a myth, and is barely spoken of in the oldest records, yes I do. I doubt anyone could do that. Well, at least since you, our illustrious leader, have decreed that this is a university-sponsored expedition, by the university charter, you will be forced to both fund it and provide university personnel to staff it. Of course! And thank you for volunteering to go with him, Dr. Granite Staff. We have set aside the equivalent of a year's salary for both of you to fund this expedition. Also, to aid your quest, gentlemen, I have a clay tablet that Professor Dunst has assured me has something to do with the lost island of Muskrall. It is yours to use as you wish. It is such a shame that Professor Dunst and Reality haven't been on speaking terms for years. Do you get the feeling that the tenure argument was decided 
long before we got to the cathedral? Aye, lad. That I do. Now, as per the ancient precedents, I command you, Professor Gareth Mintel and Dr. Tranus Grantstaff, to be off on your quest and to not return to the University Arcanum until you have proof of the discovery we have sent you to find. Mental, you have an hour to clear out your office before security escorts you off campus. The same goes for you, Granite Staff, and take your smelly butler with you. Dean, thank you for getting rid of Mintel and that creepy little pervert. No, Henry, don't! You can fling poo at the Dean and Nutless when we return with proof that we found the Lost Island of Mescal. Come on, lads. Let's leave before they decide to shaft us with another enormous stalactite dildo. This has been Gareth and the Lost Island. Episode 2. Starring Peter McGiffin as the narrator and Henry's translator. Alan Petty as Traunus Granite Staff. Patrick Mallard as Gareth Mintel. Devon Smith as the Chancellor. OJVA as Professor Jameis Nutlees. Patrick McCook as the Dean of the University. Featuring Sean Foster as Professor Duolingo. And AI Mirai as Professor Darla Rand. Venomous Duck Media wishes to apologise for comparing politicians to filthy, hypocritical liars, as even they must have some redeeming qualities, unlike politicians. Gareth and the Lost Island was written and directed by Patrick Mallard.